Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Well, we just started a new series last week, a series called When Jesus Asks, Questions and Conversations in the Gospel of John. And uh, last week we looked at chapter one and we considered the question that Jesus posed to a couple of guys that started following him. And he, he turned around and looked at those two guys and he says, uh, what are you seeking? Well, what are you looking for? And so we thought about that and discussed that last week. And, and this week we continue the series and we're in chapter five now. And uh, Jesus comes across a disabled man and he asks him this question, do you want to get well? And that's what we'll be considering today. Uh, as I said, John and Virginia and the family, they're up north at the King's Church. If you remember, King's Church came here, right? Yeah. And uh, now John and Virginia and family are up there, and he's preaching this morning. We continue to be in a spirit of prayer for, for him and his family. Uh, but we have Winston Miller uh, coming to uh, share the word. He's been here a few times, two at least, uh, and he's going to share the word with us. Now, they, you know, <coughs> Chevelle mentioned the, the retreat was Acts 29, and so John got to know Winston and his family through Acts 29. So it's a great network of getting to know pastors and their families and, and their struggles and supporting each other, and it's just a good thing. And so Winston's going to come share the word. I'm going to pray for him, and uh, then Chevelle and I are going to read today's passage together, and we'll pray that God blesses the hearing of his word. So would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we pray that your spirit be upon Winston now. We pray, God, that the words that come out of his mouth, Lord, that they are your words. And, and Lord, we pray that our ears would be unclogged to hear them and our hearts would be soft to receive it. And Lord, that these words, as your word says, accomplish exactly what you intend them to do. We pray that our hearts would be changed, that our lives would be changed, that we would hear the proclamation of your word this morning in power, in truth, and in grace, and our lives would be changed. Help us now, Lord. We need your help. We need you to intervene and make our hearts receptive. Bless the hearing of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is John chapter 5, and uh, Chevelle's going to start. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethsaida. Yes, that right there. In Aramaic, <laughs> which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of disabled, blind, labeled, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been paralyzed for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirring up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law permits you from picking up your, 
mat. He replied, the man who made me well told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk, they asked. But the man was, was healed. The, but the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing things on the Sabbath. Jesus responded to them, my father is still working and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. And he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so the son also gives life to whom he wants. The father, in fact, judges no one but has given all judgment to the son so that all people may honor the son just as they honor the father Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly I tell you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. And he has granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies about me, and I know that the testimony he gives about me is true. You sent messengers to John, and he testified to the truth. I don't receive human testimony, but I say these things so that you may be saved. John was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But I have a greater testimony than John's because of the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. These very works I am doing testify about me that the Father has sent me. The Father who sent me has himself testified about me. You have not heard his voice at any time, and you haven't seen his form. You don't have his word residing in you because you don't believe the one he sent. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. But you are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. I do not accept glory from people, but I know you, 
that you have no love, love for God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and yet you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but don't seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do you think that I will accuse you to the Father? Your accuser is Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. But if you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe my words? This is the word of God. Morning, New City. Morning. It's wonderful, just wonderful to be here with you all again on the Lord's Day. And every time I have the opportunity to come to New City Fellowship, um, my family and I are, are just quite pleased. Um, John and Virginia have proven to be great friends. And I must say that I am uh, I'm quite pleased, I'm impressed, I am thankful, I'm grateful that you all uh, saw it fit to try to send them to the retreat in Sedona, Arizona. I think it's right to honor your pastor in that way, and I just want to commend you for that. And uh, not only are you praying for them, but you are showing them honor in a very, very uh, practical way, and it's a personal way, and I'm sure they will appreciate it, but I appreciate it just being here. We were blessed by that. And as Chris said, uh, probably about, um, you know, Right after the last song, I think I turned to her, and she said, the service had been so rich this morning. And I said, yeah, we could leave right now. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to preach. I'm just saying. As Chris mentioned, the Spirit of the Lord is certainly here. And in the singing, in the prayers, in every way that we come to worship, um, his presence is already here. Aren't you glad about that? And And... You know, when he shows up, just about anything is possible, isn't it? And uh, we thank God for the reading of his word. And the question that we are focusing on in the series, When Jesus Asks, is that which we find in this story in John chapter 5, starting from verse 1. Uh, well, it's really the whole chapter but specifically uh, moving around to verse 14, 15, I believe it is. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? It's what Jesus asked the man here in the story. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be well? It's the, the word for well or whole here almost always refers to uh, being made well through, through being healed, either through medical means or miraculous means. And what a question it is. And if you're not feeling well here today, or if you're not well here today, it seems like uh, an incredulous question. Do I want to get well? Of course I want to get well. What kind of a question is that? It's the kind of question that if it's coming from Jesus, it deserves an answer. Do you want to get well? Anybody remember Radio Shack? Okay. Got some not-so-young people in here because they, they filed for bankruptcy in 2015. Anybody miss them? 
I know I do, because they, they ran an advertising campaign back in the 90s there called You've Got Questions. Anybody remember? We've got... <laughs> so if you had a question about technology or household electronics or computers or tools or, or anything like that, they had this huge catalog, didn't they? I mean, if you wanted, if you were interested in electronics like me, I just sometimes went into Radio Shack and I had no questions. I just, I just wanted to go and see what was there. Resistors and capacitors and wires and, uh, and obscure tools and computers and radios and all of that kind of stuff. Batteries. Um, they, 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 had, they had things called Walkmans, uh, cassette tapes. All right, I'm still, you're still with me. CDs, right? And, and they would have had you believe that if you had a question, they had the answer. Um, they had everything that would meet your need. And in our society, like in Jesus' day, we believe that if we have answers, we have the advantage, don't we? If you have the answers, you can pass the test. If you have the stock tip, then you can weather the financial markets and come out generating a positive return. And, and we value companies like Radio Shack that have the answers, or at least they used to. And we value people as well that have the answers. And we strive today to make sure that we have all the pertinent answers to the questions that we ask. We, we get frustrated today when we ask Google or Siri or Alexa, and they don't have the answer that we want. But we're no different from the man that day at the pool at Bethesda. Jesus had a question, and this man had a ready answer. It says, the man's answer was, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. That's not an answer to the question, is it? But it's his answer. And How did Jesus get to this man? Well, often when we see Jesus, he is with his disciples and signs and wonders are being publicly performed in a crowd. Uh, but John doesn't record Jesus' entourage following him in this story. Uh, if, this, if this were a movie in your mind's eye, you would see Jesus kind of leaving his disciples and, and walking, maybe with a hoodie or something like that, walking so they can't really, they don't really know who he is. He's walking through the crowded streets of Jerusalem because it's festival time. And there's plenty of people around, thousands of people around. And they're making, there are opportunities for him to meet needs everywhere, everywhere. But he walks through Jerusalem and he gets to this pool called Bethesda. And there's a number of huge columns and they're connected by a roof over them, and it, it had to have looked like a hospital of some sorts, like an army hospital. There were disabled people everywhere, lying on cots and lying on mats, some of them begging for money, some of them probably in intellectual conversation, some of them uh, so weary that they're probably just staring blankly straight ahead. The Bible says that there was a large number of people there, maybe dozens, maybe hundreds. There were those who were blind, there were those uh, who were lame, who just required assistance to walk. And then there were those who were completely unable to walk at all. They were without power. They were without influence. Uh, they were dependent on society to take care of them. 
But among them, John says that there was one person that Jesus had a, a, a laser focus on. Verse 5 says one man was there, one man. There were, there were times when Jesus was healing the multitudes, but so many times, thank God, Jesus would be focused on just one person. And many times it's not the person that you would expect. It's, it's the one that no one else would have focused on because it's, you know, the hard cases. The hard cases. But Jesus has proven that he would do this in just the previous chapter. Uh, you're going to read this in a couple weeks. I believe that in just the previous chapter, John records Jesus' encounter with one uh, Samaritan woman who he had gone out of the way in order to have a chance encounter with her. He planned his chance encounter being God and being man. Uh, and, and he went into enemy territory, no less. And then the chapter before that, in chapter 3, Jesus, we find Jesus meeting a, a, a man in the middle of the night, one man in the middle of the night named Nicodemus. And this guy was unlikely that he would meet with him because he was a Pharisee, no less. So are we surprised that we would find Jesus here? He's the one who said in Luke 19 that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who were lost. He's the one who in Luke 5 said that uh, when, when, the, when, the, when they saw him eating with uh, uh, sinners and tax collectors, the Pharisees and the scribes said, why are you eating with these people? And, and Jesus' answer was that, was that it was not those who are healthy who need a doctor. Uh, it's those who are sick. And he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so here Jesus is with a sick sinner who is in need of both repentance and healing. And as we dive into what Jesus asks and the implications of that question, we've got to consider three things. There's three things that I'd like for you to remember. Number one, when Jesus asks, he asks with a purpose. He asks with a purpose. Number two, when Jesus asks, he asks to prepare us. And then number three, when, when Jesus asks, he's about to show his power. Amen? Number one, with a purpose. Number two, when he asks, he's going to prepare us. And number three, he's going to show us his power. And the first point is going to be a little bit longer, so I don't want you all to get nervous, all right? And then we'll have a two shorter points that we'll wrap up with. But when Jesus asks, he does so with a purpose in mind. Now, now I'll, I'll, I'll give you a spoiler alert. His purpose is to heal the man, all right? John tells us that when he approached the man... Jesus already knew that he was paralyzed, and he already knew that he had been there for 38 years. That's a long time. Somebody say, that's a long time. And it's significant that we don't even know the name of this man. But we know 38. We know that that's a significant number. It's a pretty significant, specific number to be recorded in, in Scripture. And to the ears of the Jewish audience that would have first heard John's gospel here, it, it would probably have reminded them or brought to mind the original Jewish uh, uh, or, or the fact that the children of Israel journeying in the wilderness from Kadesh to the promised land. And, and, and if you remember anything, they were a bit stubborn. And they were also addicted to their own way of doing things. They, they really wanted to choose how they would be delivered. 
So they would grumble to Moses and they would grumble to God. Um, and what ended up happening is instead of them making just a short journey from where they were to where they ought to be, it took them 38 years of hardship and suffering in order for them to get to where they were supposed to be. But finally, after that time, they were finally ready to accept God's gift, the promised land, God's gift to them. And they went and entered the promised land. So John records that this man, he was disabled for a long time, that even felt longer, 38 years. And some of us today have been suffering with something for a very long time. And you can probably relate. Chris mentioned that this morning, that long list, pains, ills, all of those things. Some of us have been suffering for a long time. And for this man, it was a long time without the ability to move around without assistance. We don't know if he was born this way, but if he was born that way or not, it was still a long time being lonely. It was a long time being in poverty. It was a long time just being around other sick people. It was a, a long time developing a thought pattern and a mindset, uh, a, a rut of thinking that says my salvation can only come one way and, and it really is dependent upon my ability to save myself or at least get a little help from somebody else. And I can't do it. Can't find someone to help me. I've, I've been almost there before. I've been to the edge of the pool before. I've watched other people get into the pool, but I was just a step behind. And if you've been suffering with a physical ailment or an addiction or a mental or emotional problem for a long time, I want you to pay attention that as Jesus is standing with this man, he cares. He doesn't ask frivolous questions. If you've been not well for a long time, one of the things you probably get a little bit tired of is uh, uh, questions that people ask, and they're not careful about it because uh, sometimes those questions can tend to even shape your response. You get tired, and maybe he's gotten tired of hearing, hey, what's it like being here for 38 years? How are they treating you in this hospital? Do you have anybody that might be able to help you in the pool? Yes, I've asked people to help me in the pool. Probably got tired of that. Why aren't you healed yet? Jesus is not asking a frivolous question, but he's asking a question with a purpose. Do you want to get well? We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's Word. Now, I also want you to know that Jesus knows exactly who this man is because Jesus is not only this compassionate man that's left where he was to walk through the streets of Jerusalem in the crowded festival time in order to meet this man. He is also this man's God. He is also the sovereign creator. He is also the one who rules over the universe. So this man who he is going to meet is his creation. And he knows that that man is going to be there. So when Jesus asks his questions, he, he knows that only he as God has the power to make him well. 
take him from being a person who could very well suffer with that same illness for another 30 years with no change in his life. He can take him from that to somebody who is completely healed of what has held him back for so long. And that's the reason that Jesus came, to heal this man, to reverse the curse that the fall brought, which has allowed sickness to reign in our lives because of the corrupting presence of sin. In Matthew 4, after Jesus had come out of 40 days of of temptation in the wilderness, and he began to preach. And this is what he began to say, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And in demonstrating that the the kingdom of heaven has finally come, Matthew records that now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him spread throughout Syria, so they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, the uh, paralytics, and he healed them. And large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. The purpose of the healing was to bring people into the kingdom to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus. And not everyone wanted to do that. Some just wanted this blessing from God so they could be on their way. But it's implied in the question that Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? Do you want not only your physical healing but spiritual healing that you can receive in following me? Because if we skip to the end of the story, Jesus is going to, after he heals this man, he's going to find him. He's going to find him in the temple and he's going to say, see? You're not well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Because there really is something worse than physical sickness. Uh, there, is, there is unaddressed, uncured spiritual sickness. If your sins have not been forgiven you, you are spiritually sick. And Jesus says, now that you've received healing in your body, the healing of your soul is available to you through repentance from sin and faith in me and me alone, rejecting a sinful lifestyle. Because if 38 years of not being well was a long, hard, lonely, and painful time, you certainly don't want to experience an eternity away from God. Amen? So one more thing about Jesus' purpose in asking this question, because in, in this particular instance, there are, there are sick, disabled people all around, yet Jesus focuses on, on this one man and asks him, can I break it up? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Why? If God was simply just looking down through the corridors of time and knew that this man would accept his healing, his way of salvation, We would expect the man to answer, yes, Lord, I want to get well, been waiting for you, and and now I'm ready, I'm ready to receive my salvation. And that's not what we heard from this man. Instead, because of years of illness, man is so conditioned that all he can do is point out that the only salvation he knows about, the only salvation that he can think to achieve is one that he can achieve on his own. Or with a little help. And Jesus is standing 
right in front of him. (laughs) The healer is standing right in front of him. Jesus has looked at the multitude of disabled people all around him. Jesus made the choice to visit this one man, to ask him a question and to heal him. And I know it's natural for us, those of us who are, who are compassionate, we're wondering, so what about all of the other people around Jesus? Now remember, Jesus would go through the, through the city. He would go through the streets and he would heal multitudes from time to time. Jesus was available. He was available to heal. But what's demonstrated in this text is that at that moment, Jesus is focused on this one man. And for for just a moment, I want you to bask in the goodness and the grace of a God who would focus just on you. Just on you, because that's what he wants us to see here, uh, that Jesus is coming to you, it's the character of our, of our sovereign God, the ruler of the universe, to come to us, ask us this question with the purpose to save us. Do you want to get well? And he's going to overcome even our objections. He's going to overcome uh, uh, the way that we think uh, we're supposed to be saved. He's going to dismiss our solutions, even though sometimes those so- solutions are the only ones that we've known about. Somebody told you your baptism will save you, so make sure you're baptized this way and not that way. I'm going to get a little messy here. I'm sorry. (laughs) Or even though you put your faith in Jesus alone, some, some will try to convince you that you're not saved until you do something else. Until you have some special spiritual experience. Because that experience will save you. And what happens is we begin to trust in what is supposed to be the glorious results of our salvation. And we do not place our trust in the great God of our salvation himself. Be careful when people are trying to move you away from the Jesus who's right in front of you. Only he can save you. Only he can heal you. And it's Jesus plus nothing which gives you everything. So we ask, do you want to get well? So quickly, our point number two, Jesus not only asks us a question with a purpose, but he asks us in order to prepare our hearts for his purpose, to prepare our hearts. As Jesus approaches man, he wanted to focus his mind on his need and also on his desire. On his need, do you want to get well? You want to get well. That's his need. He needs to get well. But also, do you want to get well? That's his desire. Not just his need, but also his desire. Now, let's, let's talk about the need. What do you need today? You need to be healed, to be made whole. It doesn't, doesn't just mean you're no longer physically disabled. It also means that you have the ability to go and sin no more. And the only way to do that would be to follow Jesus. There are some of us here today uh, that we need to get well physically, but some of us uh, have been dealing with illnesses for a long time, but there are some of us here today who need to get well spiritually because we don't, we don't know, really, we don't know how disabled we really are. Do you know you need to get well? 
word of God, Jesus' word, tells us in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the, the heart is more deceitful than anything else. And it's incurable. Who can understand it? If you think you know your own heart, then you don't know yourself very well. Since the fall of, of, into sin that our original parents thrust us into, Adam and Eve, we were born in sin. We were shaped in rebelliousness against God, as the psalmist tells us. And, and Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that uh, before we followed Jesus, we were dead in trespasses, dead in sins, living according to the ways of this world that does not regard God. And, and, and according to the spirit that is just disobedient toward God. He says that by nature, we weren't children of God. We were children of wrath under God because we were against him. Think about that. If our, if our hearts away from God are corrupted by sin and they deceive us, then we can be doing things to please God while we're really turning away from him. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take a new heart. It's going to take a new mind. It's going, to take not, it's going to take not placing our trust in anything else, but placing our trust in him and him alone in order to save us. Because we've got the pool there, and we've got others to help us, and even though we've been trying to make that work for a long time, we're no closer to saving ourselves now than we were back then. So Jesus presents himself as the only solution to get well. He's the only solution to our need. So are you ready to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone and put away anything else? Because nothing else will save. That's the second part of our point, focusing on this man's desire. Do you want to get well? Sometimes we recognize our need, but we're so stubborn. We want our own way that that we, we really don't even want to go with Jesus to get well. I think that's the part of the question that most of us believe is really being emphasized here. Do you even really want to be healed? Because when you think about this man, 38 years, come on, man. You could have figured something else out by now. This is a question I think the man was emphasizing as well when he answered. When he answered. He thinks Jesus is saying, well, do you really want to get, well, look, 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 I, I had a plan. My plan just hasn't worked out. My friends just haven't come through for me. He starts talking about the pool. He starts talking about the stirring. He starts talking about the help he doesn't receive. And some have suggested that the man's answer to Jesus is lacking in faith, but his, his answer probably more indicates a heart that has been uh, as one commentator says, crushed through long sickness. Come on, if you've ever been there, it just, it just, you've been there for a long time. You've been there for a while. And, and it's not that you don't believe God, but it's so hard to believe him. And he didn't look at Jesus and say, are you, are you joking? Are you kidding? Would, would you like to be in my situation? Who would want to continue like this for even one more day? He didn't answer Jesus like this. It, it sounds to me like he's, he's answering his doctor. You know, my wife has, has helped me to understand that when I go to the doctor, I have to say, when they ask me how you're doing, I have to say more than, I'm fine. 
and, and, and if I'm not feeling well, I have to say more than I'm not feeling well. They, they might want a little bit more information in order to help. And um, uh, the answer that the man gives, he's trying to give a little bit more information based on his solution. Because he thought Jesus, well, maybe this guy can help out a little bit. How many of you all know that Jesus is not here to help out a little bit? Je Jesus is not here to just help out a little bit. He is the healer. And this narrative doesn't tell us how this man came to be paralyzed. However, the answer he gave indicates the reason he thought he was still disabled. Because he had trust in the moving of the water. Whether it was an angel that came down or if it was some spring that came up to stir the water, um, he knew that if he could get into the water first, something would happen. He'd be healed. Hasn't happened because he doesn't have the help. Um, and, and if it, this doesn't work, he, he really does not have another plan. What problem, what situations are you into so deep that you can't even imagine ever being free from? And you're clinging to what you think is a solution. You've devoted your life to that supposed solution, even though it's failed you again and again and again and again. You're even convinced that God is connected to the solution, but it's not brought you any resolution at this time. It's not brought you peace. It's not brought you rest. Because it depends on someone or something else carrying you to the solution. And this man's way of salvation is the pool. And he's got no one to put him up in the pool when it's stirred up. And, and, and this situation has conditioned him to believe that he's dependent on a, a particular solution in order to be healed. He's clung to that hope he hasn't left after 38 years. And he wasn't looking for Jesus. He already has his solution. He didn't think he needed Jesus. He has his way of salvation. He's going to wait his turn. He's going to, going to keep trying harder to get his salvation. But it's a hard road. It's not guaranteed. It's dependent on him. But Jesus comes directly to him and asks him, do you want to get well because I am your solution? When I was younger, I thought that when a special preacher came to town or, or a prophet came to town, and I, I grew up in church. I, I grew up going to services all the time. And if that special preacher was in town, I would make my way down to the altar uh, to try to get touched, to try to hear a word, something that was special from that person. Because I thought that if I did that, it would change my life. And, and it's, it's so interesting that I would be in the midst of the worship of the great glorious God, the only one who could save me, while looking for someone else to be a mediator when Jesus was right there all the time. I want you to know that Jesus is the only solution. And you can put your trust in him today. Put your faith in him, the God who loves you, who has lived his life for you, who has died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead so you would be justified before God. And he's coming back for you too. Amen? Amen? And finally, 
As we close, when Jesus asks, he wants to show you his power. And he shows his power in accomplishing our salvation and in sanctifying us. Aren't you glad? He's making us like him. No longer slaves to, to fear. No longer slaves to sin. But children of God. Sons and daughters of the king. So Jesus asks a question and the man gives his answer and, and Jesus gives a command in verse 8. He says, get up! Pick up your mat and walk. The Bible doesn't say that it took some physical therapy. It took some massaging. This man is there for 38 years. Can you imagine what shape his body has to be in after 38 years? Your muscles have got to be weak. And, and they've also got to have gotten smaller. I, w I, w I broke this leg and I was in the hospital for four weeks and when I came out it looked a little strange. This leg looked really strong. This leg looked like it was about 50, 15 years earlier when I was much, much younger. Pick up your mat and walk. And immediately, instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Um, Interesting, there was no commentary from Jesus on the man's response to his question, right? The man says, well, nobody's here, you know, to help me get in the pool. Jesus was like, get up. Pick up your mat. I'm the power here. I'm the solution here. I have everything you need. And if you're here today and you're trusting in any other way, I want you to know that Jesus is asking, do you want to get well? Because he's coming to you. Do you want to get well? Is it something that you really desire from me? And do you want to get well? Do you recognize your need for a Savior? If you're here today, I want you to know that Jesus is your answer. Jesus is your solution. You have no other solution. There is nothing else. Uh, there are so many others that will tell you that there is something else you need to do in order to be saved. I want you to know that we are saved by God's grace through faith. And it's not of ourselves. It's not of any works that we do so that we can boast. Put your trust and faith in God who is standing right in front of you. The man who lived his life for you and died on the cross for your sins. He will not only heal you, but he will save you. Amen? And I want to pray for us at this time. And I think you all have a practice that if there is, uh, there are those that may come to the front in order to help pray for others. And I want you to know that I know I talked a bit about physical healing today. This is what Jesus did for this man. I want you to know that our God is able. Amen? And so if you are sick or if you are not feeling well, um, you don't have to come to the front, but I think there will be people here available to pray with you. I want you to also pray in your seats. I want you to just ask God, 
Would you heal me? But I also want you to know that Jesus knows you. And Jesus does not want you to fixate yourself, your mind, on the solution. Fix your mind on him. He is the solution. And if nothing else happens in our bodies, if we are with him, as our praise leader said this, to this morning, if he is with us, we have everything we need. Aren't you glad? So I'm going to ask for you to stand at this time, and I want us to pray. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we are so grateful. We honor you today, Lord, because as we learn from your word, which we give you thanks for, thank you for your word, it reminds us in this gospel of John that when you come, you're going to ask some questions. But as the words leave your mouth, there is power for us to receive whatever we need from when you ask this question, do we want to get well? When you ask the question to this man, you ask this question with a purpose in mind. And there are those here today, Lord, those of us here today, who we've tried so many other solutions. Lord, we have fixed our mind on what we thought would save us. Physically, emotionally, mentally spiritually it might be a person that we said had to be in our lives in order for us to be happy Lord would you show us today that we only need you oh God it might be something in our bodies that we said has to be fixed in order for us to, to be at rest Lord would you help us to know that we find rest in you and you alone Lord we may there may be some here today who say I've got to get another job in order to find peace but Lord, would you give us peace in the middle of the storm? Would you show us that you are our peace and you provide peace that passes understanding? Lord, would you do it for those who that is their prayer in here today? Lord, we give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise because you're the one that sought us when we weren't seeking you, Lord. You're the one that went through the streets looking for me and when you found me you showed me that you were the only solution and that you were all I needed thank you Lord thank you Lord for being my salvation and so I pray for anyone here today Lord those who are suffering uh, with illnesses who are not well Lord would you be their healer today would you cause them to trust in you so much believe in you and not any other solution Lord thank you Lord for our doctors thank you Lord for our nurses thank you for our attendants Lord would you even use them sometime Lord to bring healing to our bodies but most importantly Lord would our souls look up to you as the one who saves for eternity as we leave here today oh God thank you for your word Thank you for the people that you have brought together to serve and to honor you because you have called us to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.